Hey, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. Um, welcome to the Festival of Trees. Right? I, uh, Pastor Jared was uh, prophetic when we purchased all these trees for the church because he knew that there was going to be a shortage of the supply chain. And so these trees can be auctioned and they can be purchased because the tree that you're wanting is on a ship somewhere in, in the ocean. So these trees each go for $750. And so feel free to see Yvonne after that. And uh, you can purchase your tree as well. Hey, today is the first Sunday of Advent. Um, and uh, it's, it's kind of cool to see the presents up here for uh, kids throughout Joliet. And I just thought we should uh, pray over them and uh, uh, just kind of bring our hearts into focus for uh, this season. Isaiah chapter 9 says that, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Father, as we uh, pray over the gifts that have been given today, both here in the sanctuary and out in the lobby, we, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to share with some uh, kids that are marginalized in our community. I ask, Father, that, um, that the families that receive these gifts would somehow know that they are loved by some people who care deeply, but more than that, they're loved by you, God. May it, may it give them hope. May they know you as everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. May their homes be filled with peace. May their homes be filled with the knowledge of a God that is everlasting. May their homes be filled with the wisdom of a wonderful counselor and a mighty God. And Lord, I pray that for those who are here today as well. My goodness, there are so many things going on in our world and so many things going on in our families and in our lives. So difficult sometimes to even make it through the day. And for those that are here today that just need a word of encouragement, I pray that uh, not just my words, but your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and that you would lift us. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament that you are the lifter of our heads. And I pray, Father, that you would lift our heads this morning so that we're able to see you turn your face towards us. Encourage us in this hour as you have already. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the song that we sang earlier, New Wine. I don't know if that's if you paid close attention to the words and if you've done it here several times, but I love, I love that song for a particular reason. Um, they... Uh, I was at a pastor's conference that I was actually uh, running, 
and I was pretty empty in my soul. I was tired, I'd been running hard, and, and not physically running, you can tell I don't do that. Uh, but I was, I was running hard, and it was just a time that I, I just wanted to quit. Have you ever had those, you ever had those jobs that you just, you, know, you just kind of go through a season, you just, I just want to quit? Well, I was in one of those seasons. I was, I was just tired, and I was, I was lacking creativity, and just wasn't a good time. And uh, I was at this retreat, and I was praying. I was sitting in this service, much kind of like this, with, I don't know, there were probably 40, 50 pastors, and uh, I was sitting there and, and journaling. We were journaling. And um, a guy who was sitting in front of me, um, one of our pastors in East St. Louis, had his headset on, with, connected to his phone. And he said, God just told me to, you're supposed to listen to this song. And I was like, okay, I, I don't often, you know, I, I'm like, really? God told you to tell me to listen to this song? And, uh, and so I, I listened to it, and it was new wine, and that God was, God was wanting to do something new and pour out in me. So that song is a special song uh, to me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure for me to be here. Um, I am not, I'm not always here on Sundays because I'm, on the road traveling with other pastors and churches, but uh, when any time I have the opportunity to be here, I am, and any time that Pastor Jared uh, uh, humbles me with the invitation to come and, and speak, I'm honored to do that. I'm glad that he and his family are away uh, resting. Um, I want to just make special recognition to our awesome neighbors who are here today. Um, yay. <laughs> um, now, Maria, Maria has been with Lisa several times. Where is Lisa? Is she here? Oh, right there. Okay, there you are. There you are. I, was gonna, I could change some illustrations if you weren't here, so I was just asking. But Maria has been with Lisa, but this is her first time for Scott. And then Michelle and Celine are here as well, and they were with us at Manny's Church last week, and uh, it was great to have, it was great to have uh, you with us. We hope that you find this congregation uh, warm and, and uh, friendly and uh, if it's not, it's their pastor's fault. It's not their, it's not their previous pastor's fault. Last week, Lisa and I were coming uh, south on Route 59, and uh, uh, she was actually in the car behind me, and it was late. It was about 9 o'clock in the evening, and we were just traveling south, and uh, ahead of me, I saw traffic lights that were coming this way, but it looked like they, were, it looked like they weren't over far enough. It looked like they were in my lane, and as we got closer to it, I realized the guy had turned into the southbound lane going north, and he was headed right, right at us. And so I quickly, I quickly, there was traffic, of course, on Route 59, so I, I quickly kind of sh- shimmied over as, as close as I could uh, without hitting into the other lane, and he, he went directly by us going in the wrong direction. And, and when something happens like that afterwards, I usually will just breathe a thank you, thank you, and drove on. We all have moments like that when we escape a disaster, and we just kind of breathe the words, thank you, thank you for that. Then there are moments 
in our life that we don't escape. Maybe it's a health issue and you get bad news. Or one of your kids that maybe is going through a particular difficult time and you're not escaping that. Um, or a spouse that says, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of bored with you. How do you respond to those sort of defeats? Those sort of events that it's really difficult to say, well, thank you. The devastation you face may be that of a, a broken marriage or a loss of a job or a major disappointment in life. Maybe it's a defeat of some sort or a financial disarray that you weren't planning on or illnesses or problems in the family or in the church or on the street where you live. It may be that this very day you are in the midst of some sort of devastation in your life. And the very idea that I prayed over these gifts for kids who are marginalized, that they would have hope in your in their home, you're thinking, well, I'd like some hope in my home too. Is it possible to remain in a spirit of gratitude? I'm fascinated with this word. I'm reading a book right now called The Gratitude Project. It's not a Christian book. It's actually a scientific book. And it's a collection of articles based on several different scientific studies on uh, the subject of gratitude. And it's comparing people that live in a state of gratitude to those who do not live in a continual state of gratitude. And the fascinating part of this whole book to me is that the scientist who, who uh, I don't know, I'm not even sure if they would be believers. They mention a higher power uh, in the book, but I'm not sure if, if they would be uh, followers of, of Jesus. The scientists are proving that living a life filled with gratitude brings positive results in your life. Being a great, this is fascinating to me, being a gracious person actually releases a chemical in your brain that brings optimism, joy, and satisfaction. Isn't that something? There's a, uh, I just saw this the other day. There's a new study going on. I, I love reading studies in emotional intelligence. There's a new study optimizing uh, the chemical uh, in your brain that's released when you receive a hug. And if a hug is, ten, is, is ten, no longer than 10 seconds, but if a hug is 10 seconds long, and it's not up around here, it's, it's around like your shoulders, it releases more dopamine, uh, is it, what's the chemical Dopamine in your brain than other types of hugs. So, so when you say, man, I need a hug, it could be your brain saying, man, I need, I need some drugs. No, <laughs> I, I, need, I need something released in my brain so I feel better. Being filled with gratitude actually brings a more optimistic, joyful, and satisfactory life. Now, that's what these scientists are proving. But is it any wonder, and this is the fascinating thing, is it any wonder that the Bible is filled with directions 
to its followers that we should rejoice in the Lord always or give thanks unto the Lord or enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Yeah, the Bible, God who created us in his own image, who created us is telling us, look, human beings, you have to be filled with gratitude because it will help you live a more optimistic, joyful life. It's a great study, um, and I love it when science uh, supports and lifts up what the Bible is saying, and they're not even sure, and they don't even know they're doing it. I would even go further to say that one of the secrets of joy and happiness in life is to be grateful for what we have. To be grateful for what we have. Now, here's the temptation. Too often, the focus is not on what we have, it's on what we don't have, right? Our, our days kind of are consumed with, well, I don't have enough money for that, or we don't have enough friends, or we don't have a big enough house, or we don't have enough education, or we don't have enough patience in traffic. That, that was for my wife. We focus on what we don't have instead of saying, well, what do we have? There's a wonderful story in 2 Kings chapter 4 about the ki this kind of thing. It's about a prophet who has died, and it's about his widow. And she is distressed because she's not able to pay her husband's creditor who has threatened to take her children as slaves. And if she doesn't pay what her husband owes her children will be taken by the creditors as slaves. You follow me? And so she comes to the leader of the band of prophets, Elisha. And she's wanting to ask Elisha for advice. Again, this is in 2 Kings chapter 4. Here it is. This, the, now the wife of a member of the company of prophets cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but a creditor has come to take my two children as slaves. How many of you at some point in life raising kids would have given up your children to be debt-free? Well, this lady was concerned. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She answered, I don't have anything. Your servant has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. He said, go outside and borrow vessels from all of your neighbors. Get as many empty vessels, not just a few, he says, but get as many as you can and bring them into your house. Shut the door with your children inside, and I want you to just start pouring with your bottle of oil into all of these empty vessels. And she just kept pouring. And children would bring the vessels to her, and she would pour some more. And her jar of oil never ran out of oil. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he said, there are no mo more, mother. Then the oil stopped flowing, and she went and told Elisha, the man of God, and he said, now, go sell all the oil 
and pay your debts and you can live on the rest. Here's some observations. The first one is, the woman had just lost her husband. The woman had lost her source of income. The woman was broke. The woman inherited all the debt from her husband. And she was about to lose everything she had. And she stood in the midst of this devastation of life. And she went to the prophet. And she said, what am I going to do? Help me. And in response, Elijah demonstrated a very important lesson for all of us. He showed her that we should not concentrate on what she did not have, but concentrate on what she did have. I think that's one of the major points of this. She didn't, he, he didn't say, he, he actually didn't show a lot of empathy to her. Maybe there was more conversation that's not recorded. But she went to him probably for an offering. Maybe she went to him, it says for advice, but she could have been saying, what should I do? You knew my husband. I'm coming to you for help. I don't think she was actually looking for a miracle. I think she was looking for help. What do you have? I don't have a lot. I, I have a jar of oil. Just a jar of oil. It reminds me, it reminds me of, of this faith lesson here too. You may think that you don't have a lot to give. You may think that, you know, you're not that gifted. Or maybe you don't have that many skills or talents. No matter what you have, one jar of oil. You know, some of, some, of you are, some of you are like 50 jars of oil kind of people. Maybe some of you are just one jar of oil. It doesn't matter. When you give your one jar, just like if I give my five jars, God takes what we offer and he blesses it. I'm, I'm thinking about the little boy who gave his lunch. You remember Jesus in the story, the feeding of the 5,000? And, and the, the, they're looking for, it's time for lunch and they're all hungry and the disciples say, hey, you got to send these guys, all these people home because it's time for, for lunch and we don't have anything. A little boy comes and says, hey, I've got my lunch here. And Jesus takes like two pieces of, of or five pieces of fish jerky and two pieces of bread and he feeds 5,000 people with it. See, it doesn't matter. You, you, just, you may feel like you're a lunchable, and I'm telling you, you're a Thanksgiving feast when you submit it to Jesus. Elisha taught her to concentrate not on what she did not have, but on what she did have. Many of you know Paul and Kay Minch, who are probably watching today. There are people that have been a part of this congregation for uh, over 30 years. Paul was and is a dear friend. As a matter of fact, Lisa and I were watching The Karate Kid last night, and um, Paul and I, because I started at this church when I was 23, and Paul had been coming for 30, 
for, for about 30 years. So Paul kind of became my Mr. Miyagi. We were, that was kind of, he was my, he, he became my best friend. And there was a moment in the story where Daniel, Daniel's son, uh, uh, said to Mr. Miyagi, you're my best friend. And I remember Paul and I, when we would travel together and such, uh, we would often say, man, isn't it weird that, that best friends are this far apart? I was younger than, than his, his, well, I, nah, I, I may be about the same age as his kids, but um, he, just a dear friend. And Kay was, was always like a second mom to me. They've been through so much in the last five years. Many of you know about this. Uh, they had an unexpected loss of their oldest son. Uh, they have fought cancer, surgeries, lots of family hurts. Uh, just the fact that uh, the, the pandemic has been extra hard on them and uh, the, just the idea of getting older. And each time I speak with either one of them, Paul or Kay, they are filled with gratitude to the, to the point where I'm embarrassed when I call, because I may be calling, I'm thinking, oh, my poor life. And they're just filled with joy. I remember at one time, I went to the hospital to visit Paul um, as his friend, not his pastor. I went to, his, I went to the hospital, and I sat, I sat next to him, and he was so filled with peace. And, and Jesus, I eventually, I eventually said to him, I said, Paul, do you know that you have cancer? I knew he did. He said, he said yeah. I said, Pastor, it don't matter. I'm at peace. I'm going to see Jesus eventually. It's rather amazing what happens to us when we begin concentrating with gratitude on what we have. I challenge you this, this Christmas season, you have about 28 days till Christmas. Um, I challenge you to make a list of everything you do have, and it will surprise you. Never mind what you don't have. Don't write that down. Just write what you do have. Goods and opportunities and enjoyment. All of those kinds of things. Concentrate on those things that you do have. I just challenge you to write them down. My ministry that that I have as a state pastor currently is mostly working with pastors and churches. And many times, my goal in, when I'm talking to church leaders or talking to different pastors is just to help them see what they do have instead of what they don't have. Many churches come at the issues of today based upon what they don't have. Like maybe they don't have the equipment that you have and so they can't put on a Sunday morning service for online viewers like you do. And so they'll come to me and say, well, yeah, you say you should have an online service, but ours isn't looking that good. And so they're always looking at what they don't have instead of what they do have. All oh, the excuses, the excuses of uh, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough people, we don't have enough commitment, we, don't, we have too small of a building, we have too big of a building. People are stuck in the mud. People aren't committed. Boy, if I could have a dollar for every time I hear that one. People aren't committed. The, I always tell them, I, yes, they are. No, they're not, Pastor. I said, these people that you're talking about, they just, they're, they just committed to a 30-year mortgage. The problem is not commitment. The, the problem is seeing what you're trying to do. We, we had a church... We had a church in August of 2020, during the pandemic. The pastor 
preached a sermon on a Sunday morning, first Sunday of August. He walked out. He wasn't feeling well. He walked out, said goodbye to the people because they knew he wasn't feeling well. He drove himself to the hospital, and he died that afternoon. The church was devastated. The preacher literally preached a sermon and went to the hospital and died. He was a beloved pastor. He had been there many years, and he had been there twice. He was there in the 70s and 80s when I was a kid, and then he came back uh, in the early 2000s. The, year f- the, the church for many years had been in a decline. They had lost all their young people. Their young people had left to go to fancier churches with cool lights, and, and I, was, I was on site at this church for the next four weeks after the pastor died. I was there to try to help the pastor's family mourn because there was a family that's mourning. The congregation is mourning. The congregation's trying to minister to the family. The family's dealing with their own stuff. And in that end, we were trying to figure out what's next for the church. Like, who wants to come in after a beloved pastor dies on a Sunday and and do that? So we uh, we were able to find a couple that had retired from ministry and they, and they were an interim pastor. An interim kind of comes in in between time. Pastor Ray has done this for uh, many churches and uh, is, is one of the best interim pastors uh, in the church of God when he was able to, to, to do it. And he, uh, so that interim pastor's role is to prepare them to get ready for the next pastor. So this couple in their 70s went in and they have all this excitement and all this joy. They wear you out if you're having dinner with them. And you know, I'm here I am in my 50s and and I'm like, I've just got to go home and get away from you people. They wear me out. Um, they had so much excited excitement and they were so thrilled to go to this church of 40 people. And with their energy and with the hope of a brighter tomorrow, that they began some, some new types of ministries, just with, a, just with an announcement of, hey, let's try this. Hey, let's do this. And they wouldn't listen to the excuses of the people. They didn't listen to the, we're too tired, or we don't have any children, or all the young people left, or we have this big mortgage. They went in and said, okay, I, all that may be true. What do we have? What do we have? One of the things they did just cracks me up. I want to watch my time. Um, okay. Uh, one of the things they did, which I just thought was just so cool, one of the things they said is, is we have grandchildren. And, and because they were talking about children's ministry. Oh, we don't have a children's ministry. Oh, we don't have any children. We have all this space, and they do have a big building. You could probably put this building, all of it, in their building four times. That's how big this place is. Gymnasium, sanctuary, big wraparound sanctuary, balcony, and they're down to 40 people. You can imagine how discouraging it was. And, uh, and so they, um, uh, the, some of the people said, well, we do have grandchildren. Somebody said, well, I have great grandkids. And so they started a children's church with no children in their church. And, and, and they, they had the first Sunday, and maybe they had five kids, 10 kids, 20 kids. And about a month later, they had the kids up front singing. I don't know what they sang, you know, but, but they had all. And guess who comes when all the kids sing? You know this. <laughs> Moms and dads start coming. This church, oh, here's another thing they did. They said, oh, we're too old. We're too old. And they have this gymnasium, and we have this gymnasium, and nobody ever uses the gymnasium. We're too old. 
Let's sell the building. And they said, well, what if we started doing exercise at 8 o'clock in the morning? I'm not kidding you. There are people who come in their wheelchairs to, to wheel around the gym with people. And you know what they're doing as they walk around the gym? They're talking and they're laughing and they're going out to breakfast afterwards. And they're, they're starting to connect and they're starting to smile. This, the, the, the interim pastor texts me every Sunday and he says, this is how many people we have in church. Last Sunday, they had 137 people in church. Isn't that something? All it took was for them to, like Elisha, to show them what they had instead of what they didn't have. I'm not a sports enthusiast, but it always puts me in a dismay when I hear men argue over a $35 million contract because they wanted $40 million. I just don't get that. Do you? I mean, maybe some of you, maybe you, who, you guys who follow sports, well, they deserve it. I don't know. I, uh, I actually thought, when I was younger, I thought about volunteering to, to box a world champion in Las Vegas. I thought about, I, I just, I'll go to Vegas and I'll get in the ring. My son-in-law's looking at me, what are you talking about? I'm serious, I'm totally serious. I would get in the ring, I would take one punch, go down, stay down, and come home with $2 million. <laughs> How many other people walk away from Vegas with $2 million, huh? The point is that having, I would have given 10% of that too. <laughs> the point is, the point is, that having lots does not solve the human inclination to concentrate on what we don't have. It is a typical human problem for us not to show much gratitude for what we do have. There was an episode of The Simpsons that I just read about. I didn't see it, and I don't watch The Simpsons, but Bart prays for his Thanksgiving meal and he says, dear Lord, thanks for nothing because everything around this table we bought. Bit extreme, but the problem plagues us, regardless of whether we are rich or poor. Whether, whether we are well or sick or whether we have success or failure, whether we are powerful or powerless, whatever our status is in life, we are challenged by Scripture to be grateful for what we do have instead of focusing on what we do not have. And I'm going to challenge you today on this first Sunday of Advent, coming out of Thanksgiving, to think about what you do have. Refuse to focus on all the things that you don't have. Last year at Christmas, it was Christmas Day, Lisa and I sat at home alone by ourselves. We had our family Christmas on Christmas Eve, which is a tradition for us. And all day long on Christmas, our, our kids and grandkids were with their family. And all day long, along, Lisa felt sorry for herself. No, it was me. <laughs> I felt sorry for myself. All day long. Why does the other side get the grandkids on Christmas? Why are we sitting alone? Why don't we have any friends? It, it got worse. 
Here we are sitting alone at Christmas. Boy, this is fun. Raise those kids. Now, I would love to tell you that at a certain time, carolers came to the door. They started singing Silent Night, and it brought joy to my heart, and I filled them with pies and cookies. No. No, my friends, I remained miserable for the entire day. And at the end of the day, you know what my misery got me? Not a thing. Not a thing. I sat the whole day focused on what I didn't have. This year I'm coming to your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys, I call Maria. Maria's like one of the best neighbors ever. I call her Maria the Great. She just she cooks, she brings stuff all over. Maria the Great. Instead of taking my jar that I had on Christmas last year and being gracious for the day of peace with my wife of 37 years. Can you imagine how that made her feel? Me moping around all day, feeling sorry for myself, making, well, what am I? Instead of enjoying the peace, I ignored my little jar, also known as my hot wife. (laughs) I kept it to myself. Nothing. Friends, you have 28 days before Christmas. 28 days. And I want to encourage you, keep a journal. If you're doing the We Read journal, write it just maybe at the bottom of the We Read journal. Just a couple of things that you're thankful for today. It, and, and don't repeat it. So, so the first day you're going to write, my family. Okay, don't go down. You keep thinking about this. I'm thankful for a car that runs. I'm thankful that I was able to pay my bills last month. I'm thankful for a husband that came home. I'm thankful, and you just start filling in the blanks. Maybe you start a gratitude tree with post-it notes, and you build a little Christmas tree with post-it notes. My challenge is don't look at what you don't have. Look at what and who is around you and fill your life with gratitude. And I promise you, I promise you, this will be a great Christmas season for you. Bow your heads. As you, as you bow your heads, I want to just spend a couple of minutes praying for you. I know some of you have some stuff going on in your life that's pretty heavy. I just want to acknowledge that. Maybe there's some of you that are watching online that are facing that you would rather be here, but you're, you're not well enough to be here. Or perhaps it's something that, that you're dealing with that nobody knows about. Maybe there's some things in, the, in your family that, that you just wouldn't want anybody to know. Guys, we all have that stuff going on. I just want to give you a moment. I want to acknowledge that. I want you to know that, that Jesus cares. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about the things that maybe you don't have, and he wants to bring joy to your life. Gracious Lord, teach us to value what we do have and to offer a sincere gratitude for it. 
I pray that you would help us to be guarded against complaining or never being satisfied with where we are or who we are, have in life or what's going on. I just pray that you could move us into a life of gratitude. Forgive us for focusing on what we do not have or on what we have lost. And we turn our eyes to see what we do have. May we use what we do have for your glory. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. I ask uh, the worship team, who, by the way, you guys did a great job today. I, I don't know where you are, back here, all over. You guys did such a good job today. I know that... I know when the pastor's gone and when you have sound people gone, the, the people in the back have done so great today. Um, it, it's, always, it's always a little bit difficult, and uh, you guys just did a super job. I asked Alexa if, uh, if I could just uh, teach you a little song. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a little course. You don't even need the words. Um, but I thought after the message today, it might be, uh, it might be uh, something that we could, we could just sing together. And uh, would you stand with me? It just goes like this. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. God has spoken. Let the church say amen. That's it. Sing that again. Let the church. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. Let the church say Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen let the church say amen God has spoken let the church say amen it's a good that's a good benediction let the church say amen. Let the church, let the church. God has spoken. Let the church, let the church. I know it's hard to sing with mask on, but I want to hear this. I love, I love hearing a church give a benediction like this. Let the church. Good. 
God has spoken. Let the church say God has spoken. Let the church say amen. 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 Father, thanks for being with us today in this time, in this hour. I thank you, God, for the leaders of this church and for Pastor Jared. I ask God a special blessing on him as they prepare to head back. I pray, God, for this season to be a time where we not only celebrate and prepare for family and and the busyness of this season, but may it be a time that we're reminded of all the things that we do have. We may not have everything we want, but we thank you for what you've given to us. Help us to be wise with that and offer it right back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My friends, have a good week. God bless you. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.